Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Fluently Forward. Today on the podcast, we are going to be doing a solo episode, and it is going to be all about the Obama family. And this is inspired by a episode we did over on Patreon, patreon.com slash fluentlyforward. <laughs> and we were doing that all about Trump and Donald Trump, his family, Donald Trump Jr., Melania, Ivanka, the Kushners, like a little bit of everything. And that was such a great episode because we were able to talk about the real life scandals, all of the twisted family members, all of the many different marriages of Donald Trump, everything to come out of that, the way that the real housewives of New York play into it. There was just a lot going on even before we got into the blind items. And then we also did the blind items. So if you want a nice little balance to this episode, go over and check out the Trump one either before or after you listen to this one. And I will say just as a little preamble, this was something, I just feel like anytime we talk about politics, right, we did a little preamble for the Trump episode. And I will do kind of the same preamble here, which is this is not a soapbox episode. I'm not going to be like espousing political beliefs. I'm not going to be telling you who to vote for, what I think. This is just like a fun episode of entertainment because these are, I mean, kind of celebrities, right? They kind of are celebrities. So we're going to be talking about gossip. We're going to be talking about rumors. If you have like a mantle, a shrine, or a pinata of like any politician, like if you feel super strongly about any of them, probably not the episode for you because I, I have to be honest, I'm going to be shitting on all of them. I kind of, you know me, I'm a conspiracy theorist at heart, so I view all politicians with an air of suspicion. So episodes like this are fun for me. And I will say later on in the episode, I do have a little bit of a bias, at least for Michelle Obama and the girls. I actually met Michelle Obama when I think I was 17 at the time, and I spoke at the White House for International Women's Day. That is a story for later on in the episode, but there you go. That's just the preamble. This is an episode for fun. We're having fun. All right, so we are first going to start with a little bit of an intro of Barack Obama. Then we're going to be talking about some scandals, some stuff that he did in office, his relationship with Michelle, Sasha, and Malia, and then we're going to be getting into the blind items. So let's start with Barack Obama. He was born August 4th, 1961, and we all know that he served as the 44th president of the United States from 2009 to 2017. He was a Democrat, obviously. He was also the first black president of the United States. And before he was president, he was a U.S. senator in Illinois. He was born in Honolulu, Hawaii. He went to Columbia University. And then later on, he was in Harvard Law School. And before he was like getting involved in um, politics, right, in the Senate, he was a civil rights attorney and an academic. He was also the winner of the 2009 Nobel Peace Prize. And this was something that about half of the people loved and half of the people hated. I wanted to look into this a little bit more because when it comes to the Nobel Peace Prize, I know that there's a lot of different discourse and opinions on who deserves one, who gets one, how everyone in the world kind of seems to be nominated for one. So let's switch from floozy to the forward thinkers for a second and talk a tiny bit about the Nobel Peace Prize. So Barack Obama has won it and Al Gore has also won it. And I think a lot of people look at this and they're like, mm, like, <laughs> did they really deserve it? So this is kind of what I was able to gather online about it. Basically, anyone in the world can be nominated for the prize. <laughs> 
wink, wink, if anyone wants to do it for me. But yeah, just about anyone can be nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. And the people who select the winner of the Nobel Peace Prize, it's this Norwegian Nobel Committee. And obviously, it's like everybody in Norway. And as you can tell, I remember I went there with my family for like a week. Norway is very, very, very liberal. So typically, whoever they're selecting, right, is going to be influenced by that. And in terms of Barack Obama winning the Nobel Peace Prize, he came in after all of this George Bush shit was going on. And George Bush was kind of like everything that Norway stands against. The invasion of Iraq, the war in Afghanistan, everything to do with that. So people are basically saying that it seemed like this Norwegian Nobel Committee would kind of give out awards because they kind of want to have, you know, obviously they're not going to directly impact and influence American politics, but it's going to be like a great nod to the aspects of what people are doing in America that they do see fit. So they awarded a prize to Al Gore for obviously his work on climate change and one to Barack Obama because, you know, he was like there and he's like the opposite of George Bush. So a lot of people online basically agree that the Nobel Peace Prize, it's kind of like the Oscars, the Emmys, the Grammys. It's politically motivated. It's a committee who's picking it. It's not like everyone in the world gets like a letter in their mailbox and they vote. And then some people were saying too, like, I can't believe that Gandhi never got one. And this is an episode for another time. Gandhi was a fucking sketchy dude. Type, type the word Gandhi and 14-year-old girl into Google and see what comes up. <laughs> a little bit too spicy for this episode, but yeah. Ooh. Anyway, back to Obama getting the Peace Prize. I, I think a lot of people viewed it as a little bit of, how would you say it? I mean, just politically motivated and like all talk, no action because Obama didn't really make that many changes to Bush's foreign policy. And as we'll talk about later in the episode, I mean, he was pretty, he was pretty drone happy. So it is kind of funny that, funny in a sad way that he got the Nobel Peace Prize. And then the last thing I will say about this is that the Nobel Peace Prize is actually the only Nobel Prize where you are not awarded for past actions. So people get the Nobel Peace Prize based on their current actions and their ongoing influence in the world. And let me know what you think about that. I didn't know that until I looked it up. I just assumed that you only get a Nobel Peace Prize based off of stuff you've already done. Like you work tirelessly for 30 years on your orphanage and then you got the Nobel Peace Prize. No, it's like a, you know, we like your current pulse in the world and we think you're going to do well. So here you go. So anyway, back to a little bit of the overview of the timeline of Obama. He won re-election. So he defeated Republican opponent Mitt Romney, and he was sworn in for a second term January 20th, 2013. And you know what? This was 10 years ago. There's something about rose-colored glasses. I really feel like at the time, I remember during this election, everybody was like, Mitt Romney is the devil. And look at us now. I feel like now we would like welcome Mitt Romney with like a warm hug after everything with Trump, right? Would be like, you're actually like not so bad. But I do think he's gotten more moderate since 2013. So let's get back to Barack Obama and let's take a little bit of a deeper dive after that overview. Let's start with his childhood. So he was born to an American mother and a Kenyan father. And I got to say, when I was doing this research and looking up stuff about Barack Obama's father... Damn, what a scoundrel, okay? So let's talk a little bit about Barack Obama Sr. Obviously, he's Kenyan, and there's a little bit of drama. So he was married in Kenya. He then came over 
to the States to, the, to attend the University of Hawaii. And this is where he met Barack Obama's mother in 1960 in a Russian language class. And Wikipedia tried to sneak it in so quick. They were like, yes, like Obama's father was married, Obama's parents, you know, they met in a class, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, hold up. It's giving... Owen Wilson. If anyone remembers from our Wedding Crashers episode that we did over on Patreon, I will never forget, as long as I live, Owen Wilson had an affair with his married trainer and he knocked her up and they ended up having a baby together. Owen Wilson actually has, I think, three children from three different women. And I just remember there was a People Magazine article where they phrased that situation as saying, Owen Wilson is so excited. He's expecting a daughter with his about-to-be-divorced trainer. Expecting a child with his about-to-be-divorced trainer? Don't you mean he nutted raw in an affair with his married trainer? Like, I swear to God, the way that language can really twist a sentence and make it as, like, devious or as angelic as you want it to be. So anyway, I'm reading this in Wikipedia, and it's like Barack Obama, one sentence, Barack Obama Sr. was married. Number two, Obama's parents met in a Russian language class. And I was like, okay, so there's some philandering going on, isn't there? There's some philandering. And more than that, which we're about to get into, the Obama's parents were married six months before he was born. So damn, not really keeping it Catholic there, baby. Okay, so, you know, a little bit of conception before marriage. All right, who cares? But here's the thing. Obama's dad was literally married when he met Mrs. Obama. So he was married at age 20 in a tribal ceremony in Kenya, and he had two children with his wife. So when he went to Hawaii, he left behind his wife, baby son, and she was pregnant. So his daughter was born while Mr. Obama was like in Hawaii, hitting on Obama's mom, allegedly, allegedly. Anyway, so he ends up marrying Obama's mom, Stanley Ann Dunham, after they started dating. And then once she gets pregnant, she drops out of the University of Hawaii while Obama Sr. continued his education. So at this point, this man is married to two different women and he's got three kids. Now, it does say that he eventually did tell Stanley about his previous marriage in Kenya, but he had said that he was divorced, and then she found out years later that that wasn't true, okay? I'm just going to say, truthfinder.com, background check, run it on everybody, okay? Damn, what a bastard. So she ended up divorcing him, it was uncontested, and then he went on to a different university and he had a third marriage. It's giving Donald Trump you know, because he's been married three times too. So reach across the aisle, okay? We've got more in common than we think. Now, even crazier is that when he moved out of Hawaii, Barack Obama Sr. only visited Barack Obama Jr., the one we know and love today, in Hawaii once, just once in Christmas 1971. And then he was killed in an automobile accident in 1982 when Obama was 21 years old. So what happened to Stanley, Obama's mother? She ended up meeting uh, another man, Lolo, at the University of Hawaii. He was an Indonesian student there. They ended up getting married, and then they returned to Indonesia and Mrs. Obama. I'm just going to keep calling her that because I feel like it's fun. <laughs> anyway, Mrs. Obama and Obama followed him later to Indonesia. So at the age of six, 
that's where Obama was in Indonesia. And from six to 10, he attended local Indonesian language schools. How cool is that? So then in 1971, Obama returned to Honolulu and he was living with his maternal grandparents for a little bit. He attended this private college prep school. He got a scholarship. Also reading about Wikipedia, Obama was like wicked smart. He's getting like scholarships left, right, up, down, center, everywhere. And this is when we get into like the youth of Obama. So he went by the nickname Barry. He lived with his grandparents. And then later on, when his mom came back, he lived with his mother and his half-sister. And he started to become like a little, you know, Barry was like a little bit of a bad boy. So he's written and now spoken about using alcohol, marijuana, and cocaine during his teenage years. And he said he did that to, quote, push questions of who I was out of my mind. He was also a member of something called the Choom Gang. And this was a self-named group of friends who, like, spent time together and, like, smoked weed. So I'd say that honestly sounds a bit normal. Cocaine, I will say, feels a little bit intense for me as a teenager. It's like a little bit euphoria. (laughs) I'm like, let me know. Drop in the comments if you ever did coke as a kid. But I will say, I'm pretty sure Obama was the first president to ever publicly admit to smoking weed, which like, let's go, chill as fuck. But also, just get a little bit political, what in the fuck are we doing with the war on drugs? Like, I remember when that news came out, just being so flabbergasted. Like, it's insane that the president of the country at the time was like, oh yeah, I smoked weed. And then in jails across the country, people are in there for marijuana-related offenses. If I was them, I would be like, I'm fucking rioting. Like, this is bullshit. Like, get everybody out. Anyway, I I think that's insane. And there's still people to this day in jail for pot crimes, which is so stupid. Okay, anyway, then we're going to take him out of Hawaii. So he graduated from high school in 1979, and he moved to L.A. to attend Occidental College on a full scholarship. Then, two years later, he transfers to Columbia University in New York City when he's a junior, and he majors in political science with a specialty in international relations and English literature, and he lived off campus on West 109th Street. So two years after he graduates from Columbia, he moves from New York to Chicago, and he gets hired as a director of the Developing Communities Project, and this is a faith-based, that's right, Obama's pretty Christian, a faith-based community organization. So he works there for about three years, and then he decides to try his hand in law. He actually gets offered a full scholarship to the Northwestern University School of Law, but instead he enrolls in Harvard Law in the fall of 1988. Now, talking about a little bit of romance, he lived with anthropologist Sheila Jagger when he was a community organizer in Chicago in the 1980s, and he proposed to her twice, but both her and her parents turned him down, and the relationship wasn't even made public until May 2017, several months after his presidency had ended. Imagine proposing to someone twice. Dropped your hand while dancing. That's right, champagne problems, okay? Proposing twice. Oh my God. Okay, so anyway, let's continue. He went on to meet Michelle Robinson at the time. We now know her as Michelle Obama. In June 1989, he was employed as a summer associate at the Chicago Law Forum of Sidley Austin, and they both worked there together. And once again, he asked her like multiple different times to date, and she like declined him a couple times. So I don't know, maybe he just bounces back. I don't know what's going on, but he was like not put off by it. He's like, okay, that's cool. I'll try again in a couple months. So anyway, they eventually do begin dating. 
Then they got engaged. They were married. Michelle suffered a miscarriage, and then she went under in vitro fertilization to conceive their children. We all know the children, Sasha and Malia. And fun fact that I didn't know until I was looking this up, Sasha's legal name is actually Natasha. I've never heard her go by that before. I mean, I say that like I fucking know her, but I've never known that. So yeah, it's actually Malia and Natasha. There we go. A little bit about Obama's religion. So he is Christian. He has spoken out about this saying, quote, I am a Christian and I am a devout Christian. I believe in the redemptive death and the resurrection of Jesus. I believe that faith gives me a path to be cleansed of sin and have eternal life. You know how I feel about this. I fucking hate that concept, dude. The concept of like being cleansed of sin, having original sin, the shackles of guilt and shame and sin and like, I mean like bubbling myself out even just talking about it, but uh, whatever, good for him. Okay, anyway, continuing on, I do want to say a lot of people forget about this, right? Because I feel like so many people nowadays just think black, white, yes, no, left, right, But let's talk a little bit about Obama and same-sex marriage. So when he was a candidate for the Illinois State Senate in 1996, he said that he favored legalizing same-sex marriage. Let's fucking go. Then in his Senate run in 2004, he said he supports civil unions and domestic partnerships, but he opposes same-sex marriages. And then in 2008, he reaffirmed that. He said, quote, I believe marriage, I believe marriage is between a man and a woman. I am not in favor of gay marriage. Then May 2012, after he officially launched his campaign for re-election as president, he said his views had evolved and he publicly affirmed his personal support for the legalization of same-sex marriage, becoming the first sitting U.S. president to do so. Which is nice, but like, goddamn, it took you into 2012 for your views to evolve. Maybe it's just because like we covered religion right before this, but I can't help but think there was a little bit of an impact there. I don't know. And it's also hard. This is the thing that like really confuses me about politicians. It's really hard to get a handle on what they actually think and how they actually feel. Because back in 1996, he was in favor of it. But then in 2004, he's not. In 2008, he's not. Then in 2012, he is. So did his views on this actually change? Or so many times politicians, right, they're like, oh, well, I can curry favor with, like, this group of voters. So, like, I'll pretend to be this way on an issue, and then I'll really flip-flop to this one once I have them under my belt. I just hate all of that shit. I am so excited to tell you this week about Saqqara and their flexible signature nutrition program. I have been eating on this plan for the last week and I love everything about it. I, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I talk about how I was vegan for three years. You know, I typically eat about 80% vegan. It just feels more aligning. It just makes me feel great when I do it. And coinciding with the fact that as creative as I like to think of myself, I, can ne- I never know what to cook. I never know how to put together something. I love looking at food online, but I can never seem to make interesting meals for myself. And Saqqara is fantastic for this. They give you meals that are ready to eat. They're delivered to your door and they are so healthy. They're gonna make you look and feel your best. They're plant-based and they are fun. Like I this week have eaten a pumpkin pie parfait, a vegan burger, a sweet potato bowl with this maple syrup sauce. For breakfast, I'm having chocolate love muffins that have like coconut oat crumble on them. It's absolutely fantastic. So 
If you want a little taste of this, haha, Sakara brings expertly designed organic nutrition programs and wellness essentials right to your door. Their science-backed, ready-to-eat meals are going to deliver results that you can see and feel from weight management and eased bloat to boosted energy and clearer skin. So right now, Sakara is offering Fluently Forward listeners 20% off of their first order when they go to sakara.com slash fluently or enter code fluently at checkout. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash fluently to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash fluently. All right, now let's talk a little bit. Well, we don't have to talk too much about it, but he did a lot for healthcare reform. Obamacare. Thank you for that. Here in the States, when you go get your birth control at CVS and it's free, that's because of Obamacare. I remember distinctly when that happened because I was slutting it up in college. No, I'm just just kidding. But it was in college and I, I was getting birth control in college and that was how I remember it. So there we go. Other things that happened underneath Obama, Bin Laden was killed. I remember that day too. You know what? I remember that week and it was the most patriotic week we've had could I say in decades, it's honestly kind of funny and a little bit spooky how psyched we were about killing bin Laden. Like it was like a manic high here for like a week. And you would have thought too that Obama directly punched bin Laden in the face. We were like, Obama did it. And like, I'm sure he like pressed a button somewhere. No, he didn't press a button. I know it was a team that went in to kill them, but still we were all very patriotic, very American that week. And it was funny because I remember approval ratings for Obama were had been dropping. And after he killed Bin Laden, the way that the approval shot up like 10 points, it was like an absolute rocket ship to the moon. All right. Now, what has he been doing since he hasn't been in office? Well, Barack and Michelle Obama, they signed a deal in May 2018 to produce docu-series, documentaries, and features for Netflix under the Obama's newly formed production company, Higher Ground Productions. So the first film they did was called American Factory, and it won the Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature in 2020. I'm like, I haven't seen it. I'm just like, okay, like, of course, if, like, Barack Obama, like, the first movie he does, like, I feel like it's definitely going to win an award, right? Anyway, a little bit of scary shit. On October 24th of that year, there was a pipe bomb addressed to Obama, and it was intercepted by the Secret Service, and it was one of several pipe bombs that had been mailed out to Democratic lawmakers and officials. A little bit of a tangent, but for anyone who watches New Girl, I remember there was a part of the episode where Nick Miller thinks that he's getting arrested, or maybe he is getting arrested, but he's on the ground and he's like, clear my internet history, clear my internet history. And I thought that they were going to make some sort of porn joke, but instead he was like, I wasn't building a bomb. I was just curious. And I have to say that was so relatable because haven't you always wondered, like, how in the hell do you build a bomb? I'm not going to Google it, but I kind of want to know, and I'm not going to make one. I just kind of want to know, you know? Anyway, I thought this was kind of funny, too. They they were saying uh, online when I was doing this research, Obama was reluctant to make an endorsement in the 2020 Democratic presidential primaries. Are you fucking kidding? Like, come on, your vice president was running. Like, of course you were going to endorse Biden. What were you going to do? Endorse Trump? I just find that so funny. Like, nobody was reluctant. Everyone was, like, happy to be like, okay, fine, let's, like, fucking do Biden. Anyway, but, yeah, he ended up endorsing Biden, saying that he had, quote, all the qualities we need in a president right now. I don't know. Obviously, he doesn't have youth or charisma, but that's okay. Better than the other one, right? 
And in May, he also publicly criticized President Trump for handling the COVID-19 pandemic, and he called his response to the crisis, quote, an absolute chaotic disaster. And then he said this, which I like this quote. He said that the consequences of the Trump presidency have been, quote, our worst impulses unleashed, our proud reputation around the world badly diminished, and our democratic institutions threatened like never before. I would concur with that, although I will say, isn't it funny how even just the word proud has been very co-opted by Trump? And I know that I have certainly gotten different comments. I remember like when I first started the podcast, a few people in the reviews were like, I like everything about the podcast except when she rants about cancel culture. Well, guess who's ranting along with me? Barack Obama, bitch. Anyway, so Barack Obama has said a lot of things about, quote, woke culture, cancel culture, and call-out culture, which I think surprises some people. So there was an Obama Foundation annual summit in Chicago in 2019, and he said some comments on this saying, quote, I get a sense among certain young people on social media that the way of making change is to be as judgmental as possible about other people. If I tweet or hashtag about how you didn't do something right or you use the wrong verb, then I can sit back and feel pretty good about myself because, quote, man, did you see how woke I was? I called you out. That's enough. If all you're doing is casting stones, you are probably not going to get that far. And Earlier in April that same year, he told a crowd at an Obama Foundation event in Berlin, quote, one of the things I do worry about among progressives in the United States, maybe it's true here as well, is a certain kind of rigidity where we say, uh, I'm sorry, this is how it's going to be. And then we start sometimes creating what's called a circular firing squad, where you start shooting at your allies because one of them has strayed from purity on the issues. If we are launching purity tests, we are going to have such a small party and we will not be able to win. Governing is not about saying, quote, you don't agree with me, then you can't be part of the conversation. And I don't want to like annoy people, but like I 100% agree with that. And I just always find that so fascinating. I'll get a lot of DMs from people where they'll be like, oh, Shannon, like I've listened to all of your episodes. Like I loved like the last 75 one of your episodes, but at like minute 30, I really didn't like that sentence you said and I didn't agree with it. And I always find that crazy because I'm like, why can't we celebrate the fact that you agreed with the last 81,562 sentences? Like, trust me, like we can fight on this one sentence I said, but like we are on the same team. Like we really, just because we differ on one opinion, we still hold 17,000 of the same ones. Isn't that something to celebrate? So I wonder if that's due to... I don't know, social media, us thinking in binaries, who knows? But anyway, I always like his comments on that. I always appreciate them. All right, back to what he did since leaving presidency. He did a presidential memoir, A Promised Land, that came out in November. What else, what else? Oh, we talked about this. He loved drones. He really loved them. Just like, who was it? Was it Andrew Jackson? who loved the National Bank, or was it Hamilton? I haven't seen the play, obviously. The National Bank to them was like drones to Obama. He was like obsessed with them. So he really escalated the use of drone strikes against suspected militants and terrorists who are associated with Al-Qaeda and the Taliban. Check this out. In 2016, in the last year of his presidency, the U.S. dropped 26,171 bombs on seven different countries. 
And I'd be remiss to say, because we just finished up tax seasons, we fucking paid for it. Doesn't that make you sick, dude? Doesn't that make you absolutely sick? So I'm proud to be an American. Oh, good God, I'm kind of bumming myself out here. Okay, in terms of scandals, and we're going to talk about this a little bit when Michelle Obama talks about the scandals, or I guess the lack of within the presidency, this family was so fucking classy and fantastic. They had next to no scandals, but... What we talk about here on the podcast is scandals. So you know I'm going to bring a few up. The main one that people talked about recently was that Obama had this 60th birthday party that people were like, ooh, like he's, he's breaking COVID protocols. He had this massive blowout. And I say massive because when I was putting together the research for this, I went deep into the paparazzi photos and I was like salivating over everything that they had at this party. It was at Martha's Vineyard. His, I think he has like a $12 million mansion out there. It looked Nice. We're going to like get into it. Okay, let's just start at the beginning and then later on I'll get into the food. I'm like already thinking about it. But yeah, it was an event that allegedly at first was going to have 500 guests invited and then it was scaled back. So only about 200 guests ended up attending the festivities. Wish I could say I knew 200 people that I could get to show up for something. But anyway, so was it limited because they decided to or was it limited because the hashtag Obama variant started trending on Twitter? But anyway, the Daily Mail got a whole lot of photos and a bunch of people attended for this like fantastic weekend on Martha's Vineyard. And there was golf, there was uh, tent dancing, there was catering, there was a little bit of everything. Who ended up showing? We had John Legend, Chrissy Teigen, Alicia Keys. We had Gail King, Steven Spielberg. We had Bradley Cooper. We had Gabrielle Union. We had Nancy Pelosi. We had Oprah. We had Stephen Colbert and his wife. President Biden didn't come, but he sent along a video message. How fucking funny. Like, do you think they played that at the party? Like... And the party was swagged out. They had different party favors. The theme of the party was 44X60. And it was like this gold font everywhere because, you know, 44th president, 60th birthday. And check out some of the stuff that they had. They had an espresso martini bar. And the espresso martini bar, too, had this like snickerdoodle syrup that you put into it. God, doesn't that sound good? They had a lot of different meatless options. They had this cheesesteak egg roll that was made with fake beef and vegan cheese. And then they had a special catering truck come. And then a local seafood restaurant was catering it. I feel like I'm just like, oh, God, that sounds good. There was a s'more station. And then there was a thing that had like all of these ingredients from Mexican hot chocolate. Anyway, a lot of people were like, this is kind of fucked up because the government's like, you have to stay inside. And Barack Obama's like, but not me and Chrissy Teigen. <laughs> so uh, there we go. I will say, you know, I just think you have to be a little bit, what's the word? Not a complete hypocrite, right? If you're like, oh my God, it's fine for the Kardashians to do that, but not Barack Obama. Just like watch yourself, you know, either say that they're both pieces of shit for doing it or say that you don't care for either one of them. But as is with politics, people love to flip-flop based on whoever's doing what. Like if Donald Trump threw a party, they'd be like, that's totally fine. It's like America, you know? All right, now I want to talk a little bit about, when do I talk about how I met Michelle Obama? I'll do that a little bit later. I have to admit, I am a little bit biased. I fuck heavy with Michelle Obama. Everything she says, everything she does, and I felt this way even before I met her. I think she is grace. Like she's grace. She's poise. She's so smart, but she's never pretentious or smug about it, even though she damn well could be. 
Anyway, and I love her quotes and I love the way she thinks about things. So I want to get into this where she talks about the scandal because this was a famous quote that Barack Obama said when he was like, and we had like a scandal-free administration, which I will say, I think like Malia was caught smoking pot once, but I mean, (laughs) I mean, have you seen Hunter Biden? So I think it's fine. Anyway, this is what she said in the Light podcast, quote, It was no accident that the administration was scandal-free. It was no accident. Our children had to show up right in the world. They carried a burden of making sure they weren't messy because it wouldn't have been laughed off. It wouldn't have been just, oh, it's youthful, whatever. It would have been some bigger statement about the soul of black folks. So we didn't underestimate that, but that weight is exhausting when you're carrying that. And then this article says here, the former first lady's comments echo a common teaching in African-American households that one must be twice as good as their white counterparts due to enhance scrutiny and underscore her unique experience as the first black lady of the U.S. Or sorry, the first, the first black first lady of the U.S. And I remember Hunter Harris. She has this great Substack newsletter. And I remember what she wrote after Harry Styles won the Grammy from Beyonce. And she was just reflecting about how if Beyonce had done Harry Styles' album, everyone would have been like, LOL, flop. But if Harry Styles had done Beyonce's album, Renaissance, everyone would have been like, this Harry Styles, just like you know it in your heart to be true. Everyone would have been like, Harry Styles is like a musical genius at this age. Like he's already doing this. Like, oh my God, it's like jaw dropping. And I remember Hunter Harris saying in her newsletter, the bar black women have to clear is always different and higher. And it's just so fucking true. So we're going to continue with some of these quotes from Michelle. So Michelle said that she had to quiet herself because, quote, the mission during those eight years was bigger than just my voice. You know, we were the first. Hopefully not the only, but we were the first. And when you're the first at stuff, especially the first in the biggest spotlight with the world watching you, you don't want to mess it up and you want to make sure that you are representing. One small misstep isn't just a misstep for you, but it's a misstep for your family, for your community, for your race, for all of humanity, because we don't often get a second chance. The bar that we had to live under where a tan suit was a scandal, where a fist bump was deemed to be terroristic. Oh, don't get me started. And yeah, it, like how stifling and suffocating does it feel to like hear about that and feel that feeling. And I remember too, like the biggest, there is a page in Wikipedia called the Obama tan suit scandal. And I think it's when he wore a tan suit when he was meeting with, was it the president of Israel or something? And people were like, he's not taking this seriously because he's wearing a tan suit. And I remember like, I remember people losing their minds over a fist bump. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is like, you know, grab him by the pussy, me and Stormy Daniels, look at my fucking fake fucking tan and how my wife hates me. It's just like, it's so, so ridiculous. And then I thought this was interesting. So in the same podcast episode, Michelle revealed that she broke down into quote, uncontrollable sobbing after leaving Donald Trump's inauguration because there was just this resentment over Trump taking over and it kind of overwhelmed her. And 
I think this was an interesting comment online that I just want to surface here that I read about this. It says, Michelle has been making it really clear how much she disliked being in the spotlight, hated that Barack got into politics, hated that he ran for president, etc. She just wanted a normal family. She saw it as a real chore, and I think Trump getting elected made her feel like America as a whole was ungrateful. People who think she'd ever run for office herself are crazy. And by the way, that's how you know that someone deserves to be in office. Somebody who's like, I would never in a million years want to run for office. Like, that is who we, not who we deserve, but that's like who we need. And I, for some reason, like, that sentence when I read it, Trump getting elected made her feel like America as a whole was ungrateful. That just really resonated with me. I just like felt in my bones, or as I would say, in my butt and in my gut that it was true. And imagine doing that. Imagine being on your very best behavior for eight years, not a toe out of line. And it's not just you. It's your husband. It's your kids. It's probably even your fucking dogs because people are like, you know, weird about the dogs. And then Donald Trump gets elected. Like, oh God, I would be so very upset. Anyway, I like that now Barack and Obama just kind of like hang out and like talk about what they're doing. So this was another clip of the Light podcast where Oprah Winfrey was interviewing Michelle Obama and she was like, ooh, tell us about your relationship. Like, how has it been after two terms in the White House, two children, you guys have two different personalities. And I really resonated with this. So basically, Michelle Obama was talking to Oprah about like, who's the firecracker in the relationship. And this was Michelle's quote. She said, Barack wants to talk rationally. And I'm like, rational? Don't come to me with sense. I'm angry. Don't come to me with your three bullet points. You better get out of here and let me cool down. And goddamn, yes, dude. It's like such a fucking thing where men are like, I, I remember my friend dated this guy and the guy, oh my God, what is it about men when like they watch American Psycho and they're like, he's just like me for real. And it's like, no, 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 no. he's a sociopath. Like you shouldn't be like him. But anyway, I remember my friend was dating this guy. Shout out to you, Bridget. And the guy at one point said to her like, oh, well, you're saying this and like that sounds like feelings and emotion, but like what I'm saying is logic and rational. So like we need to be thinking rationally because like feelings are something that like they come up, but you're supposed to push them down and ignore them in favor of logic. And I was like, that's a sociopath. Oh my God. Like, that's just insane. Like, I understand, right? You can't have someone who's like 100% emotion. That's going to be crazy. But at the same point, if you go outside and it's a nice day and you feel happy, imagine having the mindset of being like, logically, I can only be happy if it's like exactly 75 degrees. And like, logically, I should only feel happy from like XYZ things in my life. Like, we have feelings. That's what makes us human. You're supposed to listen to them. They're good. Anyway, Michelle continues, and she has a very interesting quote here that I think makes a lot more sense now that we, as some forward-thinking floozies, have done some research about Barack. So Michelle says, because his family lived far away and traveled a lot, he had to learn to love at a distance. And that means there are more words said, more love exchanged, more physical, you know, I love yous. And then she continued, I grew up with everybody within eight blocks of each other, all of my aunts and uncles and great uncles and cousins. So we were with each other every weekend, twice a weekend. So it was like, bye. I don't have to tell you that I love you because I'm going to see you next Saturday. And ain't that the damn truth? If 
I mean, the way that we are is like 100%. Our childhood, our parents, how we dealt with love, how we accepted love, how we communicated with people. And that makes so much sense for Barack Obama. Like, barely seeing his father traveling with his grandparents, then traveling around, going to different schools, being all over. Like, I'm sure that he did think, okay, like, I have to say I love you a lot because I might not see you for six months. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Okay, up next, let's talk a little bit about Sasha and Malia. Malia Obama, she is, I thought this was interesting, she's working on a short film at Donald Glover's company. Donald Glover, I feel like I thought he was such a renaissance creative man. I've talked to a few people in the DMs. I feel like the vibe on him is kind of souring. Maybe we'll have to do a Donald Glover episode sometime. We talked about him in the episode we did over on Patreon where we covered the TV show Community and the cast members there, but I I still think Donald Glover is like exceptionally talented and creative. I just think he might be a little bit weird about women like most men. Anyway, but this was an interesting quote where Donald Glover said, quote, the first thing we did was talk about the fact that she will only get to do this once. You're Obama's daughter. So if you make a bad film, it will follow you around. Let me know what you think of that because... I'm, I'm on the fence, right? Half of me is like, that's so true. <laughs> so true, Donald. But it's like, that is true, right? Like if you make a bad film, everyone's going to be like, ah, she can't nepo baby. She can't make it for shit. And then the other half of me is like, oh, if she makes a bad film, then she could just do like anything else. It's like not that big of a deal. But, you know, creatives take everything seriously. Now, she was an intern for the Weinstein Company. And allegedly, she is still owed money by Harvey Weinstein's film company, okay? So she worked as an intern in 2017 for the company, and it's unclear the amount that they owe her, but the company filed for bankruptcy between $500 million and $1 billion in liabilities and the same range for assets. So there's still an amount that allegedly her and other interns are owed. Now, in terms of, you know, working for the fucking Weinstein company. So she was 19 when she worked there, and it was before the allegations against Weinstein came out. And this is what her parents had to say after, you know, 2018, Me Too, everything with Harvey Weinstein came to the surface. Quote, Michelle and I have been disgusted by the recent reports about Harvey Weinstein. Any man who demeans and degrades women in such fashion needs to be condemned and held accountable regardless of wealth or status. We should celebrate the courage of women who have come forward to tell these painful stories, and we all need to build a culture, including by empowering our girls and teaching our boys decency and respect so we can make such behavior less prevalent in the future. And I will say, either... He's got some good speechwriters, but I feel like I can tell when it's Obama saying something, and he always says the right thing. I like that. I like focusing on both empowering girls and teaching the boys. That being said, I am a little bit like, did you really not know about Harvey Weinstein? Like, you're the fucking president. Like, you're the fucking president. Couldn't you have looked up some blind items? You know what I mean? Isn't that a little bit weird? Like, you have an entire Secret Service team. Nobody knew that Harvey Weinstein was a rapist. Nobody. I guess, like, from L.A., it never made its way to D.C. Who knows, but whatever. What else about Malia? She went to Harvard. Oh, okay, this was a story I wanted to talk about, where basically there was a situation with TMZ. Not with TMZ, but TMZ told about it. So Malia was in Harvard Square with a friend, and she was going to a salad shop, good for you, and a woman ran up to her and said that she wanted a photo for her grandchild, and Malia politely declined. And then apparently, this 
crazy grandma staked out the salad joint and she waited for Malia to leave. And when she did, the grandma like put her camera like right on her and Malia said back, are you going to take it in my face like an animal in a cage? And allegedly the grandma ended up getting the photo and then she gave it to TMZ and like TMZ reported on it. And this just reminds me a little bit of recently Pete Davidson was at, I think, a Knicks game. And I watched this video because it was like a little bit of a news story where he like pushed a fan who was asking for a photo. And I watched the video. There was this guy, you could just tell, okay? You could just tell this guy was being creepy. I don't know if he was drunk. I don't know if he was like touchy-feely. But all of these people, which by the way, Pete Davidson didn't have bodyguards. Like this guy was like fully right next to him putting his arms all around him. And Pete Davidson was taking photos with people and this guy was like nuzzling into his neck, like whispering something in his ear, like would go away and come back, go away and come back. It was making me uncomfortable. And then Pete gave him this perfect shove. Honestly, it was kind of a turn on. Like I could go watch the video. It was a perfect shove. It was quick. It was decisive. It pushed the man back far enough. And I think he said something just quick, like the fuck are you doing or something like that. And the man immediately was like, okay, got it. Anyway, and I see all these people online being like, if you're a celebrity, you sign up for this. Like, if you don't want to be like harassed and molested in the middle of the street, then you shouldn't have ever had a singing career. People are idiots online. And I just have to say, even though I know that I'm probably going to sound like a hypocrite because later, like literally 30 seconds from this, I'm going to be like, okay, let's talk about the blind items. But I have to say, I am always going to take the side of the celebrity when anything creepy like that happens, like leave somebody alone in person. People need their space. Anyway, let me continue this podcast where I talk more about the details of these scandals. Okay, there was another scandal with Malia. Oh, sorry, Malia. But in 2017, she was in Lollapalooza. And there were a few videos that went out. One was like her and her friends being taken out in a golf cart. And it looks like she was kind of like, passing out or at least like her head was rolling around and then there were other videos of her and her friend like rolling on the floor dancing to the music and like you know what dude everybody has fun in college if you don't do stuff like that you're a fucking loser so like I don't know why everybody gets their panties in a twist I think it's fine I think there was also a moment too where she had some bad friends around her and they would like take photos and send it in and videos and I think either maybe she got that out of her system right I mean, it stayed in my system for about eight years. I don't know about you guys. Or maybe she just got better friends, but who knows? And in terms of Sasha Obama, there's not that much on her. It's like mostly whatever Malia's doing. Recently, the two of them were in Hawaii volunteering and they had cute outfits on, but like that's about it. Not that much tea. So without further ado, let's get into some of these blind items. This episode of Fluently Forward is brought to you by BetterHelp. You have heard me talk a lot about therapy and how beneficial it's been to me. I love using therapy because isn't life so funny the way that you'll think, oh my God, I'm so mentally stable for the last couple of months, but such is the way of life. Things happen every day that can kind of change your life and how you're thinking about things. Maybe you get a new job and all of a sudden you're struggling with imposter syndrome. Maybe you start dating someone new and then relationship anxiety starts to creep into your life. Maybe you have a fight with your friend and you want to talk about it with someone. Maybe you're moving and you're overwhelmed. Basically, life is always changing and for anything hard that happens... I always suggest turn to therapy. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online. 
It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is great. So find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fluently today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Fluently. All right. There are a lot of blind items about Meghan Markle wanting to suck the dick of the Obamas. Let's get into the first blind. The illiterate one and her husband were blindsided by an announcement that their role models were leaving a podcast host, Spotify. Now they want out of their deal too, despite owing a bunch of episodes on their contract. I mean, you already know how I feel about Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's Spotify contract. I think it is obscene to pay someone millions of dollars for a craft that they have not ever done once, but that is just the day and age we live in with celebrity podcasts, so it is what it is. We got another one here. Instead of hiring the very best people, it seems more and more that the illiterate one, Meghan Markle, simply hires people so they can name drop them to others so they can feel more important about themselves. And that was when Meghan Markle and Prince Harry allegedly hired Barack Obama's former PR expert. So yeah, it was a woman named Miranda Barbett, and apparently she was brought onto the team to, quote, overhaul their image. Quote, there are shades of the Clintons or even Kennedys. It wouldn't be a huge shock now if Meghan went into politics. I don't think Meghan Markle's going into politics. Do you think so? Also, to take anything from the Obama team, the PR expert, I would take their screenwriter or like their speechwriter, sorry, <laughs> speechwriter, maybe screenwriter because they do have that media company. I would take the speechwriter so quick and maybe one of the dogs. Anyway, so then there was like a little bit of this article being like Meghan Markle is going into politics. She's trying to copy the Obamas. And then they talked a little bit about this too. And I just want to bring it up because I didn't catch this when I was doing the Royals episode. But check out this quote from the article. They say, Meghan Markle has been involved in activism for much of her life, beginning as a child when she wrote to Procter & Gamble about a sexist advertising campaign. She also joined protests against the Gulf of War when she was 10. That's kind of crazy to me. She joined protests against the Gulf War when she was 10? Like, I think I was trying to DVR Saddle Club. I mean, good for her. I just, what 10-year-old does that? I don't know. Good for her. Maybe she is going to get into politics. All right. Anyway, let's continue. Ooh, okay. This blind item is spicy, baby. This cable news host who recently got shot down in a proposal, and that's Van Jones, allegedly proposing to Kim Kardashian, okay, that is an episode for another time, was apparently barred from contacting an offspring of a former A++ lister after hitting on her, and that is allegedly Sasha or Malia Obama, or the offspring of another former A++ lister. Let me know who you think it could be. All right, now this is a blind item that is about Obama, and about the Bronfman family, who, if you listen to our Nixium sex cult episode, the Bronfman family is tied to Keith Ranieri, and they kind of funded him to prop up the sex cult Nixium. Let's get into this wicked blind item. This week, the former A++ list politician, Barack Obama, publicly showed just how close his ties are to the family that financially supported the busted up sex cult that saw its leader sentenced. That would be Nixium and Keith Ranieri. On a side note, it is also interesting that the member of this family who was befriended for years by the illiterate one, Meghan Markle, no longer speaks to the family member at all. 
Yeah, yeah, of course. After you find out someone's involved in a sex cult, you're not going to speak to them. So <laughs> I don't like the last half of that. It's like, oh, yeah, I found out someone was involved in Nixium and I stopped talking to them. That should be a good thing. That's a good thing. Anyway, so the moment that they're talking about at the beginning of this blind item was that Barack Obama announced Hannah Brofman's baby arrival during like a surprise interview. So I guess he's close to that family. Now, look, I don't think Obama was ever involved in Nixium. I just think this is more of like, it goes to show that rich people all know each other. It's all the rich people up there and then everybody else down there and everyone with a net worth of over like, I don't know. Like, I'm honestly like so out of this circle. I don't even know like what the high net worth is. I'm like a million dollars. <laughs> it has to be more than that. $10 million. I don't know what it takes. But anyway, I don't think he's involved in Nixium. I just think rich people are all friends with each other. Okay, this is a little bit of a scandal. Sex scandal. Here we go. Back in the day, it was the campaign manager of this former A++ lister, Barack Obama, who knew a judge really well. He knew the judge so well that he got the judge to unseal some custody documents of an upcoming opponent, Jack Ryan. It embarrassed Jack Ryan into quitting. The documents included a whole lot of talk about sex clubs involving him and his then-actress wife, Jerry Ryan. Now... I dug a little bit more into this because if a blind item says sex club, you know that I am going to be looking into it a lot more. So this was back in the day. Jack Ryan was the Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate seat in Illinois, and he was up against Barack Obama, okay? So then allegedly Barack Obama knew this judge who unsealed documents, and boom, this sex club scandal was happening. Now, what was the scandal? Basically, Jack Ryan was married to an actress, Jerry Ryan. She was in Star Trek Voyager and Boston Public, and they were together. But then these documents came out about their divorce and, like, why they got divorced. And let me tell you, baby, it was spicy. So Jack Ryan, he was an investment banker turned teacher in the inner city, and he was doing really well until all these documents came out where his wife or ex-wife was basically alleging that he used to always take her to these sex clubs and ask her to have public sex, and she didn't want to do it. So there's hundreds of pages of these documents. I'm just going to like summarize some of it for you. So she basically goes on to say in these documents, the respondent, as you know, he's called in the documents, that he would surprise her with trips to different cities, and then he wouldn't tell her that he planned the trips around the sex clubs. So, quote, they were long weekends, supposed romantic getaways. The clubs in New York and Paris were explicit sex clubs. Respondent had done research. Respondent took me to two clubs in New York during the day. One club I refused to go in. It had mattresses and cubicles. The other club he insisted I go to. So anyway, some of the passages are blacked out, but she's like, he would take me to New York. Boom, there's a sex club. He would take me to Paris. Boom, there's a sex club. She goes, uh, he took me to New Orleans. Boom, there was a sex club. And I will say, we had a lot of the pop culture podcast girlies, if you follow me over on Instagram, they were over here in New York and we were all hanging out together. 
and Christy from the X Knows All podcast was telling me about this sex club that she went to in New Orleans. Nothing like kinky. Like they wanted to get a drink. They thought it was a bar and they were like, no, 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 it's actually members only. And they were like, oh, okay. And they were like, but for women, you can pay $20 and get in and it's BYO. So they were like, okay, it's like some sort of members only bar. So they went out, got drinks, came back, went in and it was a full on sex club. And she said that there were different rooms with like just mattresses in them. So maybe she was there at the same time. Look at that. A butterfly flaps its wings and I don't know. Okay. What did Jack Ryan say? He said, I was faithful and loyal to my wife throughout our marriage. I did arrange romantic getaways for us, but that did not include the types of activities she describes. We did go to one avant-garde nightclub in Paris, which was more than either one of us felt comfortable with. We left and we vowed to never return. Now look, Jerry says even more, and I'm really inclined to believe the wife because she gets so detailed and it's the type of thing where like, you can't make this shit up. Like to me, you you can see truth in the details. So she continues. She says that her and Jack Ryan left the first sex club they went to in New York and he asked her to go to another. She said that he told her he had gone out to dinner with her that night, even though he didn't want to. And quote, the least I could do in return was go to the club he wanted to go to. So she described the second club as a bizarre place with cages, whips, and others apparatus hanging from the ceiling. Quote, respondent wanted me to have sex with him there with another couple watching. I refused. Respondent asked me to perform a sexual activity upon him, and he specifically asked other people to watch. I was very upset. We left the club, and respondent apologized, said that I was right, and he would never insist I go to a club again. He promised it was out of his system. I told him I thought it was out of his system. I told him he had promised me we would never go. People were having sex everywhere. I cried. I was physically ill. <laughs> Pussy, anyway. <laughs> Respondent became very upset with me and said it was not a turn on for me to cry. I could not get over the incident and my loss of any attraction to him as a result. And here's how I know she's absolutely telling the truth. It's when she says that she cried and he said it's not a turn on for you to cry. I sadly can 2,000% see a man saying that. Which, by the way, episode for another time, but did you know that there is a chemical in women's tears that actually makes men upset? If you, like, cry a little bit, it doesn't make men upset. But if you full-on sob and a lot of this chemical goes out, there's actually something in the air that triggers and angers men. How lovely is that? Who did What God would do this? Let's ask Barack Obama. Was it your God? What God would do this? Anyway, episode for another time. Okay, let's do another blind item. All right, here we go. The illiterate former actress turned royal, Meghan Markle, is wanting to be allowed to do an upcoming speech in the same virtual space as the wife of the former A++ lister. She thinks it will be great for her brand. And that's Meghan Markle wanting to give a talk at the 2020 Girl Up Leadership Summit that Michelle Obama was speaking at. And now, I guess, is the time for me to tell you my Michelle Obama story. So back in the day, I was a Girl Up ambassador, and Girl Up is this program, part of the United Nations, and it had just started when I was one of the ambassadors, and it was really cool. They pick girls from all over who are working with issues that empower women. And as part of being one of these Girl Up ambassadors, I remember I came home from school one day, this is when I was in high school, and there was an email, and they were like, hey, there's a chance for any of the Girl Up ambassadors to give a speech 
at the White House for International Women's Day, Michelle Obama is going to be speaking there. And it was a last minute email. By the time I got home from school, there was only like two hours before the deadline. So I remember like writing this speech, like my heart like pounding out of my chest being like, I hope I make it. I hope I make it. And I went and the White House selected my speech. So anyway, at age like 17, oh my God, I'll post photos on Instagram, but I did not look good at age 17. Oh my God. Anyway, my mom and I went to DC with Girl Up and I gave my speech and it had to be memorized. I remember, oh my God, for like weeks, just like memorizing, memorizing, memorizing. And we went inside the White House and there were all the different rooms, like, what is it? The green room, the blue room, like each room is its own theme. And everyone was being honored for International Women's Day. I met Michelle Kwan, the ice skater, and I stole some White House napkins because I was like, I, I like, I have to have a memento. Anyway, and I went up and I gave my speech and another girl gave a speech and then Michelle Obama gave her speech. And in her speech, she shouted me out. I'll see if I can like find the clip and include some of it. And she was wearing this gorgeous gold suit. Like she just always dressed well. Anyway, and then afterwards, I remember we like lined up and we got to take a photo with her. And I went to go take a photo with her and my mom was still in the line. And here's how you can tell Michelle Obama's like so great, like such a mom. She saw my mom over there and she was like, are you her mom? Like, come over here, get in the photo. And like, you know, my mom wouldn't have asked to have been in it, but like Michelle Obama saw her and noticed it. Anyway, so then we both got on either side of Michelle Obama and the photo's hanging up at my mom's place. I am so sorry, by the way, if I sound snotty. I have been working through the worst cold ever, and I feel so bad that you have to listen to this, but I'd rather do an episode than not. Anyway, so yeah, so we took a photo with Michelle Obama, and I did not to be like that creepy guy who was weird with Pete Davidson, but because, you know, we went up to each other and hugged, I I was aware of my hands touching her arm, because you know how she's so toned? And she is toned. She has really good arms. I wasn't weird. I don't like squeeze them or anything, but she has like great arms. Anyway, that blind item, I feel like just kind of, right? Girl up works with Michelle Obama. So there we go. Okay. This is a funny blind item. I'm not saying the barely there celebrity offspring of a permanent A++ lister, Malia Obama, hasn't used some coke in her life but the most recent photos are someone setting her up. She did do a secret rehab about 18 months ago. And this was like, there were a moment where hackers posted Michelle, or sorry, Malia Obama's credit card online with like cocaine. And then there were rumors going around that Hunter Biden, or sorry, that Hunter Biden used Malia Obama's credit card to cut up lines of coke and snort it. And that has to be a farce. That like has to not be true. But how fucking funny. Like it's definitely not true, but what a funny rumor. All right, this is a rumor that's not so funny, but despite the numerous girlfriends he has, including one he is supposed to be marrying, this a list rapper couldn't resist hooking up with this celebrity offspring of a permanent A++ list celebrity. And that is a legend that Offset hooked up with Sasha Obama. Has anyone heard anything about this? Let me know. It could be someone else. It could be someone else. We're just guessing based off of the blind item, but good God. Okay. And the very last one we will end on here. This prominent political figure had high hopes that one of his kids would follow him into the world of politics. Don't bet any money that his daughter will do so. She hates politics. While she would never say that to her parents, it's what she tells her friends. She also tells them that she would like to be a model or an actress. And they're alleging that's either Sasha or Malia Obama. Why would, if your dad 
was president, why would you ever want to go into politics? Haven't we all seen those photos of like Obama when he first went into office and when he left? And not to sound like a total, I don't know, TMZ person, but he aged. (laughs) He aged, celebrity aging. But I think that happens with all presidents. Like, oh God, why in the hell would anybody want the job? So there we have it. That is a little bit about the Obamas. If you want to hear the Trump episode, head on over to Patreon. Let me pull up right now the exact date of when we did it, but patreon.com slash fluentlyforward. Yes, March 17th, we did Donald Trump and his family's blind items. And you know what? I'll give you a little sneak preview. I'll give you a little sneak peek, which by the way, over on Patreon, even if you're not a member, I added a feature, well, now you can listen for free to the first five minutes of any of these episodes. And we've got a boob ton on there. So just go through and, I don't know, press that button, listen to the first five minutes of some of these, catch some of the stuff. But yeah, a little bit of a sneak peek. Allegedly, Melania was hooking up with a hot tutor that Baron Trump had. So more like that in that episode. So let me know what you think, what you've heard about Obama. Some people have already slid into my DMs and told me some stuff that I did not say on here, but I responded to you and I know what it is and I liked that you told me. So if anybody knows anything, let me know what your thoughts are on all of this over on Instagram this week. And I will see you on Wednesday for a mini episode of Fluently Forward. Have a good week, guys. Bye.